and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. My name is Brooke McCallery. Thank you for joining us. And my name is Ben McCallery, and welcome to episode 169. This, I'm fairly confident in saying, is going to be an epic episode. Why is that? There is so many knowledge nugs to share in this episode, and not all of them are ours. So paint the picture. You asked our listeners just this morning about food waste. I did. So I've been, this is something that we've been planning for a while. I've wanted to put together a really comprehensive guide to minimizing food waste, knowing that I am not like the queen of minimizing food waste. I don't have all the answers. I'm not locked into all the the tiny hacks and tricks. So I thought I could maybe get a handful of tips from our community on Facebook put the call out this morning and currently have something like 50 tips just there, like glowing in all of their combined wisdom. So we've got not only the tips that Ben and I have put together, but we've also got a whole heap of community crowdsourced tips to share, all of which really the aim is to help you cut back on food waste. On food waste. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the reason that I wanted to talk about food waste in part at least is because of the war on waste series, which has been on ABC the last, uh, it was about the last month or so. Yeah. About a month ago. I will include a link to that in the show notes for anyone who hasn't seen it. And I believe our international listeners should be able to, uh, there's not a geo lock on it. I don't know. Yeah. If you're an international listener and want, (laughs) and want to look at it, let us know whether the link works for you. Yeah. Stop saying it. That's right. That's right. Otherwise we will stop saying it. Uh, but they, it, it's been a fantastic series that dives into the issue, obviously, of waste in Australia specifically. But I think we all know that this is an issue that is global in its impact. Not only food waste, but plastics and fashion, all that kind of stuff. But today I wanted to focus on food waste because it is an astonishing problem. It's a $1 trillion problem, to be exact. $1 trillion. $1 trillion US. Just in the States or globally? Globally. In the developed world. I'm not sure that they can, they count the developing world. Well, food security would be a very different thing in in developing countries. One trillion dollar problem. So we thought it was probably a pretty important issue to to talk about. Absolutely. You think about that one trillion dollars and you think about breaking that down over households, what that would equate to per household per year. I know on the war on waste, they said a family of four in Australia wastes about $3,500 a year in food that literally just gets tossed out. I'd imagine that there are households where it's significantly higher than that. Mm. It's our aim to make your household significantly less than that by, uh, yeah, digging into these amazing tips. Yeah, well on our way to zero waste. Yeah, in terms of food, Mm. I, I do want to say, though, before we get into it, that This is not an exhaustive, completely comprehensive list. We've done our absolute best to be as well-rounded as possible. But let us know if we, if there's a tip, like your favorite food waste tip that we don't cover, let us know because we'll add it to the show notes over time and hopefully we'll have this amazing resource for people to access forever. Uh, But also just because we're talking about some of these tips, particularly the listener tips, doesn't mean that Ben and I are doing them all yet. There are quite a few that we're going to cover that I hadn't even thought of. Uh, and I think this episode is going to be the impetus really for us to start doing a bit more. I think we're, we're pretty good. You're very good. 
Thanks. <laughs> but I think we do pretty well. And you can you compare where we were even a couple of years ago yeah. with this kind of stuff. We are yeah. leaps and bounds ahead. Mm. And we'll talk through what we've done to make those changes. But, yeah, I don't want anyone to listen to this episode and think they need to do all of these like yesterday and to use it as an excuse to feel guilty. I think let's use it as a motivator to make one change this week and one next week and, you know, reframe our our, our view of food rather than beat ourselves up with it. Exactly. Now, before we get into today's episode, our friends from Etitude are back to sponsor today's episode. Now, you know that we speak about ethical fashion on this podcast quite frequently and the importance of it, but so often we we don't have options for other everyday items that we use, things like bed linen. Etitude helps with that. So their bed linen is not only insanely ridiculously soft and silky and comfortable and warm and cool when it needs to be, yeah. it's also ethically made, uh, it's organic it's bamboo, so it uses much less water, zero pesticides than traditional cotton. Uh, there's no toxic dyes used in the products. They are just deliciously comfortable, ethical, sustainable, incredibly well-made sheets. They are. And they've replaced, as we mentioned last week, they've replaced all our other sheets. They're like an all-season sheet. Which truly still astounds me. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Every time I, I use them in winter, I'm like, they shouldn't be warm enough, but they absolutely are. Like I mentioned last week, they've also taken that delightfully cozy, soft, silky fabric and made pajamas out of it, yep. which is just about the best news that I've had for quite some time because it is like wearing a cloud suit. I've said it once, I'll say it again. So they also sell them, which which is fantastic, in separates. Because I'm often like a different size top to bottom. And usually it's frustrating when you go to buy a pair of pajamas, you don't fit into one one piece or the other. So you can buy them in separates. You can buy... You can mix, mix and match the colours as well. <laughs> yeah, look, if you're crazy, you, you can absolutely do that. Uh, you can also buy winter and summer designs too. So go and check them out. Go check out their sheets. They have quilt uh, covers. They've got cot sets, mattress protectors, pillowcases. You can find everything that you want over at attitude.com.au slash slow home. And by entering the promotional code sleep better or lowercase one word, you get 10% off your first order. You do indeed. So check it out. Wear your cloud suit. On to the show. Let's get into it. have quite astonishingly 28 tips from us and a further 25 suggestions from our audience obviously there's a lot of common ones Mm -hmm. so there's not quite the 50 that we have over on facebook but i really just want to get into it there is so many practical tips and ideas here yeah let's try and make this as practical as possible and so we'll be very sort of we'll just list them out almost Let's be punchy yeah let's be punchy all right let's be punchy so we've broken our tips, when I say we, I mean me, <laughs> into a few different kind of general areas. First being planning and organization as a way to combat food waste. So the first thing I think is meal planning, but not only meal planning, but realistic 
meal planning. I mean, it's great to to make a meal plan that looks very fancy and comprehensive and thorough. But if you know that by Wednesday night, you're really tired or you're too busy or the kids have soccer training and you have a late meeting and you never cook dinner on a Wednesday night or Thursday night, you're always just too knackered to do what you think you should be doing. Don't do it. Make yourself a really realistic meal plan and think it through the foods that you're going to prepare in conjunction with your rhythm. Mm. It's exactly right. That's exactly what we do. The thing that overrides any meal is movements. Yeah, exactly. So when we have our whip, we usually, we just have events and and things that take us out of the house or out of the office during the week. And if there is a day where you're in the city till late or I've got a meeting or you're doing mentoring or something, we make sure that that's a leftovers day or it's something that I can pop in the oven, you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon sort of thing. Exactly. So be realistic. Don't worry about what you think you should be doing in terms of meal planning. Do what's going to work for you and the people you live with. Related to this is meal prep. If you are finding yourself too busy and constantly throwing away food that you had planned to cook, you know, maybe later in the week, I think is pretty common that this happens. People get through to Wednesday, Thursday, then they're tired. You know, they buy dinner or they have leftovers or they just have a really simple scratch it kind of meal. Mm -hmm. Start to think about what you can do maybe on the weekend to prepare ahead of time. So for us, that looks like most Sundays, not every Sunday, but most Sundays, I will spend maybe an hour doing things. Some form of, yeah, some form of food prep. Yeah, it's it? not the same every week, no. but I'll do something like peeling and slicing up carrot sticks for the kids' lunch boxes. I'll do cucumber sticks and zucchini rounds and all that kind of, like just steam veggies that we will have two or three times during the week. They're already prepared and sliced up. And I put them in big glass jars that I keep in the fridge. Things like carrots, sticks and stuff. I just put a little tiny bit of water at the bottom of those jars and it stops them from dehydrating um, throughout the week. That makes a huge difference. So I can just pull out a jar, pop the, you know, the veggies in there in a saucepan, steam them for a couple of minutes. And that means that I've saved kind of 20 minutes in, uh, in food prep that night. Similarly with, you know, salads and things like that as well. Uh, Some Sundays I'll cut up maybe a pumpkin and sweet potatoes, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, uh, cauliflower and roast two or three big trays of veggies. That's lunches for you and I for at least three or four days during the week, plus a meal or two at night. Again, just going to to the trouble of preparing them ahead of time means that they don't go to waste because once they're already prepped, we are far more likely... Even if we're tired, even if we're kind of over it by the end of the day or at lunchtime, we'll just pull out one of our Pyrex dishes of roast veggies and we've got half a meal prepared already. Put them on a wrap or, you know, have some leftover meat or falafel and that's a perfectly serviceable dinner. So it's all about just buying yourself time on a Sunday, on a weekend for potentially those busy days that you have during the week. And it just means that you're eating better And, you know, you might even go to the extent where you're actually making full meals for like five of those days. We know people that do that. Oh, absolutely. And see, our our situation is different to a lot of people because both of us are working from home. And most days, at least one of us is here to cook at night. Uh, But I know a lot of families, a lot of households, that's not the case. So make some fish cakes, make a pasta sauce, Mm. 
make a curry on your Sunday afternoon, pop all of those things in the freezer and pull them out in the morning before, you know, before you leave for work and you've got your, your dinner ready. And that is such a nice feeling knowing you've got dinner sorted before you go to work is just the best. It is. It's awesome. Related to this is also buying only what you need. Yeah, basically just buying what you need. And you do that by when you, when we write our list, well, you do that. This is what we do may work for you. When we're writing our list, one person is standing in the fridge or in the pantry <laughs> and we're listing out these things going it's like a it's like an audit it's like a stock take exactly really. that's yeah. all it is but you're you're there you're actually seeing the thing so you're actually not buying anything that you don't need that's right so there's no point in buying three more sweet potatoes if you've already got two in the pantry yeah uh, and that again cuts down on waste and it also inspires our meal plan for the next week like if we've got a pumpkin there i'll make a pumpkin soup or we'll make sure we do a roast if we've got you know a a stock in the fridge then we'll do something with that we'll do some kind of slow cook yeah and i think that that is probably one of the things combined with going shopping with a list can't overstate how important that is going shopping with a list that's going to make sure you only buy what you need rather than what you think you need or what you think you should need they're quite different things. So here's a little knowledge nug. No, it's not. It's just me bragging. On the weekend, forgot the list. But because we wrote it down, I just had in my mind, there was like 28 items I counted and I missed two. I missed two of the 28. I think that's pretty good. It is very good. Bloody falafel. Falafel and eggs. Falafel and eggs. Pretty staple stuff, and I still managed to forget them. Unbelievable. I know. You should be so ashamed. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like we just combined like three tips into one there. But anyway, they still stand. (laughs) So, you know, buy only what you need. Go shopping with a list. Check your pantry and your fridge before you go. And use up what is in your pantry before you go shopping at all. And then plan your, your next week around it. Now, this next one is I suck at it. I really do. But you're very good at it. So that's at least one of us is good at it. And that is clean out your fridge before, ideally before or or after you've done the groceries. Well, before makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. If you clean out your fridge, just make it part of your list writing ritual. And if you do it every week or every two weeks, there really shouldn't be much to it. But if you if you make it a habit to clean out your fridge as you're writing your list, you will get an indication of what you're not eating. So, if, you know, two weeks in a row, you've got three oranges left or you never eat your leeks or the beetroot are kind of mouldering away at the bottom of the fridge, you know. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You just explained our fridge. Yeah, just then. exactly. Yeah. There's a reason I use those as examples. Mm. Uh, then you'll know that maybe you should stop buying them because they never get used. You just don't cook with that particular ingredient nearly yeah. as much as you think. Uh, but it also gives you an indication of what you've got left. So try and just take the five minutes to clean out your fridge before you go shopping and you will save money and you will also save quite a bit of food waste. And the next one is a big kind of central one for us. We've embraced leftovers and have done for a long time. I think leftovers, we plan, like in our meal plan, we plan for at least one night sometimes two a week where it says on our meal plan leftovers and that is the best thing to do like we eat leftovers for lunch 
but we also make sure that we cook enough to to have leftovers for at least one night a week, one yeah. night a week. Yeah, our dirty secrets out. Oh, right? yes. Yeah, we love leftovers. I do. And I know there's because often it actually tastes better the next day. Oh yeah, things like pasta night. sauces oh. and curries and stuff. Absolutely, they just add. There's something more. I don't. I don't understand. There probably be some science to to it, but probably. it definitely tastes better. Yeah, uh, but I think one of the the things a lot of people a lot a lot of people <laughs> wow a lot of people say to me, my kids won't eat leftovers. I'm like, well, they will. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm. I, I think that. There's nothing wrong with leftovers. I mean, obviously some things don't reheat as well as others and whatnot, but just don't make them your leftover meal. Yeah, exactly. You know, and people, I think, are getting a bit fussy with this kind of stuff. Like, it's boring to have the same meal twice in a row. Well, first of all, have it two nights apart, we often do. Mm. Uh, Second of all, it's okay to have fewer choices. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that, you know, cooking shows and, and all that kind of stuff, we're sold this idea that all of our meals need to be like dishes you know i've made this distinction before like you come from a family of dish makers you know everything's got to be like a dish and it's kind of like a dish like a dish and i came from a background of meals like meat and veg and it took me a long time to realize that i was beating myself up because i wasn't making dishes all the time it's okay to not have a dish meal all the time (laughs) A dish meal. It still confuses me. I know. <laughs> All I'm saying is it's okay to have leftovers and it's not a failing on you. Like, no, you're probably not going to win MasterChef with leftovers, but who cares? Like, everyone's going to eat and it'll be fine. Yeah, leftovers. We love them. And related to leftovers is our scratch at nights. Yep. It's not scratchy, itchy and scratchy nights. I love a good scratch at night as well. Who doesn't? Do you want to just describe what a scratch at <laughs> Not night really. Is? Because it's less fun. So scratch at night is basically you open up the pantry or fridge and you make whatever meal you see in it. Mm. It's like a challenge. It is a bit of a challenge. Yeah. So often I just go in and and just see how many things I can put in an omelette, basically. That's my scratch at night. Yep, it is. I don't eat (laughs) omelettes. They give me a watery stomach. Doesn't make sense. I will eat scrambled eggs, but I won't eat omelettes. That's what I'm dealing with here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so it's fun. Scratch at nights is fun. It is. And we, I mean, that can be something as simple as French toast or pancakes as well. Yeah, you know, we've been known to do that. Yeah. We, we've been known to live on yeah. the edge. Occasionally, there'll be breakfast for dinner as well, which is kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, scratch at nights are, are tops. And it's just one less night you need to buy meat for, you need to buy veggies for, and you just make do. Scratch at nights are like the poor cousin of leftovers. <laughs> really? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, in, in a similar vein, be less fussy. Yes, that means, you know, deal with leftovers sometimes. It's fine. It's okay. It doesn't need to be fancy all the time. Deal with the scratch at night occasionally. But also be less fussy in um, the food, like your veggies and stuff. Like I think our mean? tendency is our carrots get a bit bendy or a bit floppy. Hmm. Floppy carrots, no fun for anyone. Am I right? But So what do you mean? Like a floppy carrot or... <laughs> You know, you, you, your carrots will go soft after being in the fridge for a week or so, particularly if you don't have them in a container or, you know, wrapped up in a damp cloth or something like that. Mm. They will get sort of dehydrated. And I think our tendency is to think that they are spoiled, like they're not edible. They're perfectly fine to put in a stew or a pasta dish or to steam or something like that. 
you, I mean, you might not want to eat it fresh in a salad, yeah, exactly. but you can grate it up and put it in a sauce. So yeah. I think that getting less fussy with that kind of stuff and not expecting our food to look pristine in order for it to be edible is important. So if you've got your zucchini's got a brown spot on it, a soft spot, cut the soft spot out and use the rest of the, the veggie. You know, I think it's really speaks to our modern need for things to be perfect looking in order to use them and mm. i think that's really at the heart of so much of commercial mm. food waste like you look at uh supermarket shelves all the fruit and veg on there has to look a certain way because that's what us as consumers it's saying we want yeah. like we want our apples to be spot free and shiny we want our bananas to be a particular angle of bend and length and if they're not <laughs> You're laughing at me, but on War on Waste, they went through the specs of bananas and they had to be a particular bend. They needed like a rounded butt end and they couldn't be too bendy or too straight. And if they were, and this is on the farmers to throw their stock literally in the bin yeah, because it doesn't fit. So like, I think bring that closer to home and start to understand that a soft spot on an apple doesn't mean you need to chuck the whole apple out. Like freeze the apple, use it for applesauce or for an apple crumble or something like that mm. and use your floppy carrots. Mm. Google overripe bananas uses for mm-hmm. holy moly. Yes. You can basically do anything with them. Yes, you can. We have a freezer full of overripe bananas that we use for heaps of different things, which I'll talk about in a minute. So, yeah, be less fussy. Also, know the difference between best before and use-by dates and treat them with scepticism. So best before is a suggestion. And obviously, if it's best before sometime in the 90s, pretty safe to say that it's probably not edible. But if it's best before two or three days ago, that's almost certainly going to be completely fine. Best before is a suggestion. It's saying it's best before mm-hmm. the 5th of June, but it doesn't say that it's going to be unfit for consumption That's after it. the 5th of June. Use common sense. Don't just judge the use-by date. Mm. Use-by dates are more clear-cut, but even so, like yogurt, sour cream, things like that, uh, I don't necessarily stick to the use-by dates. I go off smell and taste instead. And very rarely, I mean, it's really obvious when mm. things have spoiled. Mm. They, your body is quite good at determining when something is not good for you you have like a recoil you know you'll put a bit of yogurt in your mouth that is it is gone past its use by day and it is well past use you can tell like your body does not want to swallow it so be a bit more common sensical that's a word yeah uh about use by dates and best befores yeah use by dates dairy yeah i reckon a couple of days you know after a use by is still pretty good usually based on the sniff test but meat i would never oh, no, no. have meat after a use by date no but i no i understand what you're saying yeah. i mean i don't eat meat anyway but no, no but that's that's the only time that i will just go yep no that's yeah because yeah. it's just too much too much tell me has is there ever produce that has a best before and a use by date on it i have no idea it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's a, it is an interesting question. As in like, it's best before this date and you need to use but it by this date. But must be used by. Yeah. Um, I never see that. No, probably not. Yeah. I'd say because the use by date would trump the best before date. Of course, but yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I, I guess it's just used by. Yeah. Anyway. Similarly, treat, you know, the, the 
uh, dips and sauces and things like that 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 say use within oh. five days of they're, opening. They're just crazy. Drives me mad. Yes, there are probably some products that that applies to, but uh, hummus and things like that, I very rarely pay attention to it. Um, pestos and curry so, pastes like, yeah, like and sauces, sauces and, and you can avoid that by making your own where possible anyway. But in the instance where you do have them and, you know, um, coconut yogurt and stuff like that, they all have this use within five days. It may be the case that those things aren't any good after five days. But in my experience, the vast majority are perfectly fine beyond that. It's just marketing. Again, common sense. They just want you to buy more. Yeah. It makes sense for the manufacturers to say that, you know, you you need to throw it out if it's um, five days or more and then go and buy another tub. So, of course, you can make your own, but also just use the sniff test, use the taste test, use the common sense test. And the last tip in the planning and organisation section of this is use, we'll keep those used by date foods right at the front of your fridge. Yes. Like on the top shelf or in the, um, I always find it in the fridge door. Is probably the best. Just have a place for them. Yeah. It can be the top shelf, bottom shelf, wherever. Okay. And just make sure you you look for them and make sure you use those first and make it a priority to, to work through those perishable things before you work through the things that maybe aren't as perishable or aren't coming up to, you know, to going bad. And I think, again, making that a habit is probably the best way to go. Okay, before we get into the next section, yeah. how, how are we going for time? Oh, yeah, where? We're well over 20. Oh, we're getting up there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's just power on through. Let's do a very intentional, slow, fast trip through the rest of these tips. Okay. Good food storage habits are key to not wasting food. Pretty simple. So I do things that are really annoying at the time, particularly when we come home from doing the groceries or going to the farmer's market, and I find myself having to do these. It really annoys me, but it doesn't annoy me when our food lasts future brook yeah that's right exactly future brook says thank you to present brook who is currently annoyed for having to put all the carrots in a container for example so here are rapid fire food storage tips put your dry goods in containers once they've been opened so they don't go stale or get weevils or spoil or just become unusable. So things like crackers and flowers and cereal and pasta and oats and that kind of stuff. Just take the extra 30 seconds required to put them in a plastic container or a glass jar uh, and you'll be, you'll be thankful. So lots of veggies can be stored in containers in the fridge to stop from being uh, dehydrated over the week or so. So celery, carrots, cucumber sticks, carrot sticks, zucchini, beans, snow peas, herbs... You can trim the ends, pop them in glass jars with a little tiny bit of water in the bottom, put the lids on, and they will keep really beautifully fresh for the full week. That's been my experience anyway. Similarly with kale, spinach, that kind of green veg, you can um, bring them home from the shops, give them a rinse, trim them, so cut out the um, you know the center, center vein in your kale and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and wrap them in a clean, damp tea towel, and put them in the fridge. And that stops them from going limp. It stops them from, uh, you know, your dark greens lose all their colour and they go kind of yellowish. And it keeps them really fresh for the entire week. So and that's any of your veiny vegetables? Yes, your veiny veg. Yep. 
With meat, uh, only keep out what you're cooking in the next day or so. Buy bulk if you can. Go to the butcher once a week, once a month, once a fortnight, whatever works for you. But ask your butcher to separate your meat into kind of your portion sizes. Freeze everything that you're not going to cook in the next couple of days and only pull it out as you need it because otherwise you're going to have those nights where you come home, you don't have the time to cook meatballs uh, and the mince spoils. Mm. So just keep things in a meal-sized portion. Yeah, I mean, you can only do that if you go to a butcher and we're lucky we've got a great butcher. Not everyone can go do that. But, yeah, it's just just doing portion control. Or even if you can only buy your meat at the supermarket, that's fine. Like separate it when you get home, put it in containers and pop it in the freezer. Glass jars are... Perfect for freezing your excess veggies, whether they're cooked or raw. Um, Herbs, sauces, all that kind of stuff can be put straight in the glass jar and frozen. Um, No, they don't crack very often. I think I've had one or two crack ever. Um, And I... That's why I save all my glass jars. I've got like a drawer full. Of the good quality glass jars. Yeah, yeah, sturdy glass jars. Uh, Similarly, sturdy glass containers like Pyrex with a a plastic lid, they're really good for storing um, freezer meals, your meat, bones, any excess veg, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Following on though, there's a whole range of tips for the freezer and these are quite specific little tips that we use in our kitchen Uh, and it means that our freezer is almost always full of little bits and pieces that we can use in the kitchen but also minimizes the food waste this first one is a tip that alex stewart from low tox life gave uh, and she said they eat her family eats a whole heap of broccoli and cauliflower every week and they're often left with the the stems Mm. so you can fry them up like you can cut them up and fry them and add them to your meals but what alex does is um pops them in like a blender and blitzes them up into kind of grain like grain sort of size pieces puts them on a tray freezes them and then transfers that grainy sort of cauliflower stem uh, into a jar and she adds it by the cup into pasta sauces and things so the nutrients go in your sauce kids can't taste them yeah because the nutrients are so good in those stems. yeah absolutely so you can do it i mean i've done it for broccoli and cauliflower stems i'm sure there's other veg you can do it for as well but it's such a good way of using up those things that usually just get wasted like herbs and stuff like stems of parsley or um uh, let's think of another herb ben really quickly like coriander Mm mm-hmm Yep, exactly. And we've already mentioned that we have a billion bananas in our freezer. Fantastic for smoothies. Just pop them in frozen. Um, so we'll, let's say our bananas get soft. We'll peel them, slice them, pop those, those slices onto a tray in the freezer. Once they're frozen, put them into some containers. And I'll just grab a handful when we're making smoothies, banana bread, banana muffins, protein pancakes, anything that you would usually use a squishy banana in, your frozen banana is fine as well. Obviously, in some instances, you need to thaw it out. But bananas, you don't ever need to chuck out your soft, squishy bananas, even ones that get bruised in the bottom of the kids' school bags, which happens sometimes in our house. Parmesan rinds are really good to pop in the freezer and then use in soups. I make a really nice broccoli soup, just pop just a chunk of parmesan rind in there and it gives such a beautiful kind of substantial meaty flavor to it one of my favorite things to do with um, carrot peelings potato peels onion skins any veggie off cut that is clean 
is to put it in a casserole dish in the freezer mm. and add to it. I just add to that dish over maybe two or three weeks. And when it gets full, pull the dish out, put some water in it, like a significant amount of water, put mm. it on the stove and let it cook for maybe two or three hours until it's really beautiful, rich veggie stock. And it's veggie stock for free. Like We haven't had to buy veg stock for, I don't know, two years, something like that, because we've always got some. And obviously any excess veg stock, you just pop in the jar and freeze it and thaw yeah. it out when you need it. Yeah. Of course, you can do the same thing with bones, um, fish bones, chicken bones, beef bones, whatever you've got. Just put them in the freezer until you've got a significant chunk. I mean, chicken carcass, same thing. Mm-hmm. And then stick Sh- that in a stock Shellfish, pot. if you're yeah. lucky enough to eat shellfish. Yeah. You, I mean, you've made a, what do they call it? Bullabas. Yes. Yeah. With from, uh, prawn shells. Which was delicious. Mm. So just keep it until you have a significant amount so you can make a really significant stock. And again, freezer is the best place for that. And the last one in the freezer tip section is bulk baking. Really simple, straightforward. Probably once a month, I will spend a couple of hours in the kitchen on the weekend I'll make a chocolate cake, maybe a date loaf. I'll make a really nice Sarah Wilson like Snickers kind of slice, which is beautiful. Bliss balls, apple muffins, that kind of stuff. Uh, make maybe two or three different things, pop them in containers in the freezer, and then the kids can pull them out as, uh, as they need to for school. Or I can pull it out when I feel like something to eat as well. To eat. Uh, yeah, but freezing, it is the way of the future. So then there's a few that don't really fit into any of those sections. One of my favorites and one of the most motivating things I can do to cut down on food waste is to think about food as money. Yeah. Like specifically picture what that, what that, you know, chicken breast is in dollars. So it might be like $9. So I picture $9 when I see it in the freezer. And if ever we have to throw away food because it's spoiled and we haven't cooked it, I picture tossing away nine dollars or fifteen dollars or three dollars it's really motivating oh absolutely and if you don't want to think about that in micro transactional terms think about one trillion dollars. exactly <laughs> you can look very very small or very very large yeah. both of them are kind of depressing or there's another way of looking at it looking at it look at it in terms of like just quantity so think 1.3 billion tons of waste that's that's like a country Think of a small country in the Pacific of just food waste, and that's what we throw out. It's no, I can't. I actually can't picture that, but it's just, it seems obscene, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So, before we get depressed, let's talk about more proactive things you can do. We have chickens, they're fantastic for cutting down on food waste, as in food waste that goes into the bin. Uh, Similarly, composting is awesome. And worm farms, really good. We did have a worm farm. I managed to kill all the worms. I, it's not my best moment as a sustainable person, but uh, they are typically really good for things like uh, juice pulp and eggshells, coffee grind, mm. all that kind of stuff is really good for a worm farm. Really excellent for people who don't have space for composting. Apartment dwellers or people with just a small courtyard, you can definitely go the worm farm route and then you get your worm tea which is really good for all your plants. Plants, yeah, exactly. I will say, though, as my final tip, composting, worm farms, chickens, all that stuff is really good for minimizing food waste, but don't fall into the trap of letting it become your easy out. 
who are like, oh, it's fine. I'm not wasting food. My chickens can have it. True to a certain point. But if you're still allowing yourself to kind of waste food and let things just sit in the bottom of the fridge and spoil, then you're still tossing money away. So make that, you know, that what you do with the things that you can't do anything else with rather than, I guess, the way of feeling not guilty about it. That's um, a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, I mean, I certainly fell into that trap when we first got chickens. Like, it's great. We're getting manure and we're getting eggs and we're, we're doing all these great things. But the reality is the chickens don't need to eat, like, our food. You know, they can eat our scraps. They don't need to eat our food. And it's a lot more expensive to give your chickens food that you're wasting rather than scraps. So that's us. Yeah. In part, all of those things are, are, are things that we, we do, do to yeah. minimize our... I'm really excited to hear about what our listeners do. They're very clever people. All right. Let's you guys have got awesome tips. So there were obviously some common ones, meal planning, composting, yep. backyard chickens, yep. freezer scrap stocks, like I've mentioned, and leftovers. Huge, you know, huge, uh, the majority of tips are surrounding those, those kind of those five ones? common points. Yeah, okay. So let's get into the more uncommon ones or rare <laughs> okay. ones. Uh, and these, some of these are really specific and really clever. Okay. So Morgan, her kids often come home from school with apple slices that they don't eat. She puts them in the freezer and they've got enough. They make applesauce with those slices. If they have a party and they have a cheese plate and oh, all the cheese. this one. Yes. This one. This is so good. Yeah. So the cheese doesn't get eaten at a party. It's a little bit kind of hard. It's a little bit sweaty, but you know, it's fine. Like it hasn't been sitting in the sun for six hours Does or anything. Does this include like soft cheese? Um, like I don't know. She didn't and, say, okay. but yeah. um, look, I'd imagine depending on the situation, if it's summer, maybe not, mm. but if it's winter, it could possibly be fine. Anyway, Morgan freezes all the cheese off cuts and then her and her family use that to make uh, homemade mac and cheese sauce. Brilliant. That would be so much nicer than just using like a crappy cheese or a craft mac and cheese packet. You know, you get to make it out of really nice cheese. I think that's just premium tip from Morgan. Yep. So Candace freezes foods that she, but like more specifically, she freezes foods that she commonly uses only part of in her cooking. So let's say her recipe asks for a quarter of a diced onion. She will dice the rest of the onion, pop it in the freezer and use it when she needs to, when she needs more. Um, lemon and lime juice, you know, often you don't use a whole lemon or a whole lime and the rest of it just sort of sits in the veggie drawer and slowly goes soft and then grows fur. She freezes uh, maybe tablespoon portions of citrus juice. You can definitely do that in um, ice cube trays, stuff like that. Now, the next tip comes from M, and M's a keen Tetris player. So what she does is <laughs> she likes to keep her top shelf in her fridge with all the food that she'll eat in the next couple of days. So when she eats that or makes or prepares food, she then moves up the food that she'll eat in the next It is the fridge Tetris. Day. It is fridge Tetris. So, I like it. Um, well done, Em. That's the gamification of food preparation. <laughs> uh, Brianna is also pretty playful. I really like this. She uses she meal plans like a lot of people, but she has a, a framework that makes meal planning heaps easier. So her Mondays are meat-free Mondays, Tuesdays, Taco Tuesday, 
Pasta Wednesday, Soup or Slow Cooker Thursday, Freezer Food Friday, <laughs> Kids Choice Saturday, and then on Sunday they do like a big involved kind of meal, which they also might- sets them up for leftovers the next week. So on Sunday they might do a dish. They might, they might do a dish. That's right. Dishy Sunday is what we call it. <laughs> uh, that's great. It is. And yeah. it just makes it like particularly I think when you've got a young family at home, not having to think through all of the – possibilities for every day when you're meal planning is a godsend. Uh, I know that I find that difficult because our kids aren't the most adventurous eaters. And I think knowing sort of what to aim for on Wednesday, being a pasta, then you know that the kids will eat three or four different pastas and you can kind of, <laughs> if you can hear our dog happily wagging his tail. tail. But anyway, I like that, Brianna. It's a top, yeah, top awesome. tip. So Jennifer had an interesting issue. When her kids all moved out of home, she really needed to learn to recalibrate the quantity of meals she was cooking, yep. which you can understand. Yeah. If you go from cooking for maybe three, four, five people back down to one or two, that would take quite a bit of relearning, I think. Really would. Yeah. So last year she challenged herself for a month to only cook from what was in her freezer and her pantry. So obviously she bought uh, fresh food and uh, dairy, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But everything else came from the freezer or the pantry. She said she ate a lot of soup. But it was a really helpful way of, first of all, relearning quantity and second of all, not tossing out everything that was already in the freezer. I think that's that's really good. So Wallace has chickens, like a lot of people who wrote in, but they also have a soldier fly larva, larvae, larvae, <laughs> plural of larva, farm that gets the rest. So anything that's not suitable for the chooks and often often things kind of do get beyond chicken edible. Like <laughs> yeah. Chickens can't really eat things that are moldy or anything like that. But yeah. So much like a worm farm, I think, the soldier fly farm gets fed anything beyond chicken ability. Um, but then the larva from, larvae, from <laughs> the farm is fed, uh, they're fed to the chickens. So because um, they're obviously a bug and that would be, a treat for the chooks. So it's this beautiful cycle of... Virtuous cycle of yeah. larvae and chicken. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, it's not really gross. I think it's really cool. It is cool. Jessica um, sort of just adds to our you know, portion control. Mm-hmm. So she knows exactly how much her family eats for uh, a meal. Yes. So family of four, you know, it's about half a pound. So she will freeze in these in those portions and so you just pull it, pull it out a day ahead, and Bob's your uncle. You know what's really good about um, they say defrosting meat mm. is that if you pack it quite thinly, as in like in a ziploc bag or something. Yeah, it's in a ziploc bag, but so it's not. Yeah, it's pretty flat. Mm-hmm. You put it in just some some water in your in your sink, just a bit of water, just normal cold water, and leave it in there for about an hour, and it should defrost. Mm. And then you can either just put it in your fridge or, or or cook, cook it. it. Mm. That's a great tip. It is a great tip. It's a bonus tip from Ben. Wendy prepares what she calls casserole dump bags. I hadn't heard of this before, but it's genius. So she comes home from the shops with all of her ingredients for a casserole, which her family eat on a Wednesday. She preps all the meat and all the veggies, puts everything in a like a big Ziploc bag in the freezer, freezes it all together. Wednesday morning comes, she pulls it out of the freezer, puts everything already prepped straight into the slow cooker. 
I think that's genius. It just takes out like two or three steps from having to prepare things Wednesday morning to putting them in the slow cooker means it takes her five minutes to get everything ready to go. By the end of the day, her uh, her casserole's ready. I think that's... That's a beauty. Yeah, it really is. So Abby's all about meal planning as well, but she plans not only for the dinners, but the, the lunches and the snacks. And babe. breakfast. The snacks and the breakfast. Snacks. Seriously, though, that's... That would be so helpful. Oh, we, it's... We've started to do it, but we mm. don't do it for every single thing. No. I think that on the weeks that I know I'm going to do one of my big bulk baking sessions, I always make sure that I've got all the ingredients for whatever I'm baking. But it makes so much sense because that's when you – otherwise, that's when you're going to get caught out. Like the kids come home, they're hungry, you know, have apple and peanut butter. So there goes one of your apples for tomorrow and you find yourself having to go down to the shops and get those little bits and pieces that you run out of and that's where the extra money and waste comes from. So by – particularly I think when you've got kids at home, allowing for those snacks uh, every day is genius. It's awesome. Yeah. Amanda talks about composting, but specifically talks about getting an enclosed composter. Yep. So I didn't know this, but that means that you can put soup bones and yeah, stuff like that you, in there. You can, get, you can put basically. Because you don't have to worry about, yeah. I guess, rats and birds and things getting yeah. in. Uh, it's completely enclosed. So if you've got the space uh, or the resources to get an enclosed, like a tumbler bin, that's a good thing to, to look at as well. I'm cut from the same cloth as Kim, who writes in and says, make fried rice with little bits of veg left in the fridge. Huge fan of that. You love a good fried uh, rice? Yeah, with just leftover veg and even like put some frozen vegetables in there to beef it up if you don't have that much leftover. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. And again, of course, you can use that if you've cooked rice for a curry and you've got left. Like fried rice is better with day cooked, old cooked, cooked, cooked rice. Cooked rice, yeah. So it's a great scratch it meal. <laughs> it is a very good scratch it meal. Deb has. Quite a significant tip. She suggests that everyone moves to Florida in summer because it's too hot to cook. So all they do is eat raw fruit and veg. Thanks, Deb. (laughs) If you fly me out, Deb, I will be there. Carly flips her, her, uh, her weekly shop on its head. And instead of meal planning and then going to buy fruit and veg and meat and whatever to fit the meal plan, she gets a seasonal box of fruit and veg delivered and then plans her meals around that. So she plays the scratch it challenge every single night. Yeah. I mean, and I think that really, it is really in keeping with slow food because you're eating seasonally. Uh, And of course, by eating seasonally, typically that means the the fruit and veg you get is going to be cheaper because it's in season. It's not being kept in storage for months at a time. Uh, It's going to be fresher. It's going to be tastier. Uh, And then she goes and and makes her meals around that. I think that's brilliant. It's awesome. Carly must be pretty... I mean, she must be pretty good in the in the kitchen. It's like being in like Master Chef and doing the mystery box every night. Yeah, we. I mean, we do that to a certain extent because I try and do as many of our fruit and veg shopping, uh, as much of our fruit and veg shopping at the farmers market as possible, and they only ever have what's in season. So, to a certain extent, our food definitely changes with the season because they have no problem in saying, "Well, we're not selling tomatoes because it's July and tomatoes don't grow now." So, um, I think that if you can start to Eat seasonally, definitely, you're going to save um, money and your food's, food's going to be fresher as well. Kel is really specific in her food planning, her meal planning. She figures out how many apples, oranges, etc. get eaten every week and only buys that amount. So in our family, that would be like, I don't know, 1,100 apples a week. <laughs> but 
you know, taking the time to work out how many of each thing get eaten and then only buying that is really clever because otherwise you are left with leftovers that you need to figure out what to do. So much like buying the meat only in, you know, half a pound kind of portions, this is the same. I think, um, yeah, that's a good one by Kel. Colleen likes to play a social experiment with her family, similar to sort of Lord of the Fr- Flies. She Lord has, of the Fries. Lord of the Fries. <laughs> Isn't it a shop? Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so she has five at home but cooks for three, and so then it's a battle royale to see who gets what. Whoever uh, makes it to the table yeah, first. So, but it's a good, I mean, it's good for portion control, and also there's always people that just uh, either are out for dinner or... You know, if there's everyone there, then you all have something to eat and then you have, you know, some cheese and crackers after dinner or something like that. Yeah, and I also think what Colleen's getting at is we so often overcook. Yeah, that's true. So by cutting out, you know, 40%, cutting down on the amount that you're cooking by roughly 40% means you're probably going to have just enough rather than too much, which is possibly in her household what goes to waste. So if you're not a fan of leftovers, this is perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mandy writes on her fridge, I'm assuming in not permanent marker, what needs to be cooked or eaten uh, in the next few days uh, before it goes off. And then she uses that to inspire her meal plans and to inform her online food shopping every week. So, again, that's just making do with what you've got before adding anything new. And I think that's really clever to have a visual reminder or like a running list is a really good idea. Otherwise, things do kind of get shoved to the back and – even in best intentions, get forgotten. Sam delays food shopping for a few extra days and it enhances the creativity in the kitchen. I really like this one. I've We've tried it to a certain extent, but I'd love to do more of this. Like really challenge yourself on... It's amazing what you can find in a, in a, in a cupboard or pantry or freezer. Because so often you think, oh, there's nothing to cook. But then look, like you really look at what's in your fridge and there almost always is something to cook. We often just tell ourselves that isn't because it's not what we feel like. And I think just, again, shifting our mindset to abundance rather than scarcity, going, there's plenty here, what can I make out of it? It's kind of fun and it's also just maximising the food and the resources we've already got. Amy is a big fan of worm farming, but specifically for people who don't have... Um, the space or the inclination for uh, composting. I would also add that Bakashi buckets, Bakashi bins, I think they're called, is an indoor composting system that you can put like meat and dairy and things in as well. So I think for people who don't have the space for your traditional composting, either of those options are really good and worth looking into. Uh, I know quite a few people mention their Bakashi buckets um, and I'll have a link to those in the show notes because they're really worth checking out. So Danielle is an anti-prepper. She doesn't stockpile at all. She has a 72-hour kit and that's it. So Danielle is hopeful that if there is an apocalypse, it'll only last for 72 hours. (laughs) (laughs) But she doesn't keep anything extra in the pants. I feel like we're a bit like this too. Yeah. I don't think we would have meals after 72 hours. Oh. Enough for meals. No, I think we would. But I really like Danielle's boundaries, you know, just saying I've got enough for three days. Anything else beyond that I need to go and get. Mm, I reckon we'd really struggle after two days, three days. Anyway, let's see. Let's try it. Okay. (laughs) Lisa's all about the bubble and squeak. What is bubble and squeak? 
What's sort of isn't it just all your leftover veg and stuff all mixed mixed together, together. with a bit of flour and egg and yeah I don't know yeah I think so some sort of thing that like binds, binds it, it. Yeah. and then what do you bake it I think you fry it oh. yeah so for me I always like I grew up eating mashed veggies a lot like yeah. that was a that was our scratch it at home when well, I was growing it's, up it's basically kind of like that's what I always yeah. imagined it to be yeah. to just take all your odds and ends pop them in together mix them up and we used to have ours on toast. It was really nice, like Sunday night dinner. Dallas is taking it way back to like the basics, only buying fresh fruit and veggies to eat because then anything left over can be composted. There's not going to be any, you know, anything that, that you kind of stuck with, not fi- not being able to figure out what to do. Uh, and I think sometimes taking it way back to the simplest form is a, is a really good option as well. And that could be a fun challenge to do for a week, you know, just eating things that are compostable. Stacy buys only the stuff that she knows people in her family is going to eat, not what they should eat or what she hoped her kids <laughs> would eat. That's, that's, really, that's really good just to keep in the back of your mind, actually. Exactly, because yeah. so often we're like, well, we really should be eating more broccoli. Yeah. Like, regardless of the fact that maybe your kids hate it or yeah. they don't eat it, uh, yeah, rather than should, go with reality. Good one. Uh, mam- mamta? Has an olet or an alet? Oh, this I didn't even dinner. know there was a word for this. I, yeah. So it's it's all about the omelette. Yes. So it's an omelette with everything in it. The all goes in the omelette. Kind so of dish. alet, alette. <laughs> I think it's just a com- like it's a it's just a combination of like all food goes in an omelette. Like I oh don't. Oh my god! I thought it was French or something. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Maybe I'm just like some kind of olet. Well, yeah, it is. It's it's all an omelette. Oh my god! I'm so sorry. Sorry, Mamta, that's a really good one. <laughs> it is a really good one. Angel is a big fan of the end-of-week stews and soups, so just a use-it-up kind of situation. Growing your own, absolutely. And learning to dehydrate, which is you're the first person who mentioned dehydration, the only person, and it's such a good one. Um, we don't have a dehydrator. I often I often think that I'd like to, particularly with um, fruits and stuff. I think it's it's really top. I mean, you would love to make your own jerky, I'm sure. Yep. Yep. And Margaret has the last one, and this is something that I need more information on. Okay. She keeps her leftover veggies, her leftover cooked veggies in a container in the freezer and then makes falafel out of it. Mm. Now, I'm a big falafel fan. Mm. I need to know how you do this, Margaret. Like, I've seen the recipes for a homemade falafel, obviously, but... Please tell me how you use all your veggies to make falafel. I think that will change my life. Brooke loves Brooke's top three foods for anyone out there at the moment is falafel, cucumber, and hummus. Give her those three things, and she's happy. Yep, true, absolutely true. Anyway, that's the that's the complete list. That's the list of all the ideas, both ours and our wonderful listeners, and. It's fantastic. I did tell you it was going to be epic. That yeah. was that was intense. That's like, crazy. Yeah. We will have a complete list of all these tips in case you missed them, which is highly likely that you've missed a few, over at slowyourhome.com slash 169. I will have links to as many resources as possible as well. We've done a few episodes where we've spoken about meal planning. I've written some blog posts back in the day about meal planning, all that kind of stuff. So I will link to all of those things in the show notes. But again, head over there, leave a message if you've got a comment, rather, if you've got your own tip that we haven't covered. And I'm sure there will be a lot of them because, like we said, it wasn't wasn't exhaustive. 
Uh, it was comprehensive, but not exhaustive. And until uh, until we meet again, <laughs> have a great week. Bye. Thanks again for listening to our episode today. Just wanted to mention that we were sponsored today by our friends at Etitude, makers of ethical organic bamboo sheets and uh, and delicious pyjamas as well. Don't eat them, just wear them. Head over to etitude.com.au slash slow home and use the code sleep better and you'll get 10% off your first order at Etitude and uh, enjoy that cloud suit. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, podcast.